Welcome to Strong Not Starving, my name is Marcus Kane, and if you want to beat binge eating and create a rewarding dynamic with food, exercise and body image, you're in the right place. The information in this podcast is not intended as a substitute for medical advice. So when breaking the binge eating cycle, we hear so much about body acceptance, unconditional permission and all that stuff, and then also how when we're experimenting with unconditional permission and learning unconditional permission, there might be a period of time in our diet where we're, you know, making some choices that might leave us feeling a bit physically average. And that's all kinds of challenging for so many reasons, like going through a phase where in the name of retraining our sense of for lack of a better way to put it, safety and peace surrounding food, so we're not pulled in one direction or the other towards either restriction or binging, just allowing different foods and making space for different foods and sometimes making choices that challenge us. That can be really tough, but that doesn't last forever. That acute phase of moving away from disordered eating does not last forever, and that's what we're going to talk about today. So, there's enough noise out there already about you've just got to give yourself uncon unconditional permission and eat all these different foods and allow yourself that. I'm like, yeah, okay, cool. That's great. But a huge barrier to making our way out of dieting, rejecting diet culture, developing a better relationship with food is this feeling of like, fuck, like what, what, what do I do now? Like, what do I do after this, does this mean that I'm just, I, I, I just need to like eat whatever forever and be at total peace with that? I'm telling you right now, that's not the case. There is a bit of a system here that we can work to. This isn't about throwing in the towel on your good health or even your, you know, fitness goals. So we're going to talk about that today. What is waiting for you or what's going to be available to you after going through the phase of what we could call acute recovery. Now, recovery is a word I don't really like. I get a bit cringy when I use it because it has all these kind of connotations. Most people I work with one-to-one uh, -one, don't consider themselves in, quote, recovery. I just use the word recovery because we're lacking other words. I know my good friend, Dr. Nina Savalt Rockland uses the word liberation, you know, liberating yourself from cycle cycles of binge eating and restricting. I'm not sure which, which words I'd like to use, but recovery, I'm just going to say that today. So what happens after we move through the acute or the initial recovery phase when we're allowing different foods and maybe you reach a point where you're like, okay, I'm not experiencing maybe the same anxiety or level of in emotional investment surrounding food, but I'd, I would like to make some healthier choices without diving back down the dieting rabbit hole. So where we end up after that is having something available to us, which is often called like gentle nutrition. Now, Again, here's a term that I don't really like. The principles of gentle nutrition, I think, are fantastic. But I, I think the actual term gentle nutrition, which is like one of the last steps in the intuitive eating process, again, not that I'm a hardcore 
intuitive eating advocate. I kind of float around in the middle and take what's going to be beneficial from all these different approaches and serve them up to you. But this whole gentle nutrition thing, I think it's a terrible label to put on stuff because it's, I'm sorry, but it's not very marketable. <laughs> like it doesn't, it doesn't sound particularly inspiring, does it? You know, when someone goes, yeah, I'm going to do carnivore or I'm going to do keto or I'm going to do the, I don't know, what are people calling diets? I just know that they often sound cooler. They sound more marketable than gentle nutrition. And it's a bummer because gentle nutrition is great. It's just that it's got a crappy name that's very kind of vanilla (laughs) and like unappealing. So for the purpose of this episode, whenever I say gentle nutrition, just imagine that I'm saying like badass nutritional optimization or, or whatever. So what is gentle nutrition? This thing that becomes available to us after we practice some body acceptance and food freedom and break away from binge eating and restriction and then decide, "Ah, okay, well, I would still like to make some healthy choices, though. What is this? What is gentle nutrition? Essentially, it's about making healthy choices, maybe even with something like athletic performance or athletic goals in mind, without going down the path of restriction. It's still about unconditional permission and zero guilt surrounding foods, like allowing all foods and food groups. And it's about making peace with the fact that it's healthy for emotions to play a role in food choices. But notice that we're saying here that emotions play a role in food choices. They do not dictate food choices. And we take these things into consideration and we stay mindful of these things while also being super self-aware surrounding food choices and asking questions like, if I could have this food anytime, do I still want it right now? Or how will I feel physically in an hour or two hours after eating this? Or if I could have anything I wanted right now, like a break from work, a hug from someone I love, a few hours peace, a better job, like mortgage or rental payments that don't completely fuck me, would I still choose food? Would I still be choosing food in this moment? In other words, am I medicating another issue with food? And understanding that food freedom does not mean impulsivity. It might mean being able to forgive yourself and move on with your life if you do make an impulsive food choice, while at the same time noticing like how often that might be taking place. Like how often you might be making impulsive or desperate food choices and then engaging in the process of asking what else might be going on with me here. So there is a a very, very high degree of self-awareness happening around gentle nutrition. So this balance of like, I can eat whatever I want and it's fine but what's going to make me feel best and be in line with my values, this is what gentle nutrition is. Now, there is a snag in what I just said, and that is, quote, your values. The reason why it's important to work on body acceptance and neutrality, like we spoke about in last week's episode, episode 74, I think that was, before jumping into gentle nutrition, is that 
if we haven't done the right groundwork, it's really easy for gentle nutrition to go dark side. Because if your value system is built around keeping your body looking a very specific way or chasing a weight or body goal at any cost, questions like what's going to make me feel best and be in line with my values will very, very easily get twisted. This is why the the system or the process or the the journey, whatever, of gentle nutrition has to come after first doing work on body neutrality, body acceptance, building self-awareness, and cultivating a reasonably high degree of unconditional permission surrounding food. And remember, we don't need to be perfect. We just do this as best we can. You don't need to be perfect in terms of your self-awareness. We just need to be self-aware enough to call ourselves out if we start bullshitting. Then from there, we can look at things like gentle nutrition, because at that point, we are approaching health, wellness, nutrition, fitness from a new place, doing something very different. So we open the possibility of actually experiencing a different result, not just throwing our self-criticism and self-hatred into a diet and exercise program and crossing our fingers and going, oh my God, I hope this will make me a worthy human being. Again, that might sound really blunt and really rough, but I joke about this because I was there. That was my journey very, very much throwing everything I had into nutrition and exercise, thinking, oh my God, if I just get this right, I will be a worthy human being. I will be enough, you know? And maybe I wasn't even thinking about it in that way. From memory, as I think back now, the feeling of it wasn't so much that like, when I do this, I will be enough. It was more like, if I don't do this, if I don't meet these standards, I'm fucking worthless. So yeah, obviously, these are the things that we need to kind of reframe and uh, get get a bit more sorted before looking at gentle nutrition because yeah it's it's very easy for these things to go sideways and a really good example of someone applying gentle nutrition really really well is a client of mine very recently he's been doing brilliant work for a very long time and the concept of grazing came up so he was like i think i'm grazing too much just like picking at random stuff around the house and that window of time between getting home from work and then dinner, I think I'm grazing too much there. And I end up just feeling a bit like kind of over full by the time dinner's finished or I, I get to dinner and I don't really feel like it. And I just, the other day I found myself not grazing for one reason or another and I genuinely felt better. So how can I intentionally graze less? How can I intentionally just pick at things less without that becoming restrictive, right? I'm sure you can see the the conundrum here, like the, the balance of things here. So essentially we're saying, how does the idea of grazing less in the name of maybe feeling a bit better physically fit in with unconditional permission and the absence of restriction? And I came up with these five questions that you can ask yourself 
if you do want to get a handle on how much you're grazing, but at the same time, doing that from the perspective of being like mentally and, and physically healthy without diving down like a restrictive diety kind of rabbit hole. So here are these five questions to ask yourself if you find yourself thinking, I might be grazing too much. I might be picking at things too much and I'd like to get that a little bit more under control. How might I do that? Question one, we want to check in with, am I focusing on controlling my food intake as a distraction from a big ticket issue? So there might be something really stressful or really big going on in your life. There might be other issues and you might be finding yourself thinking, I need to control my grazing. I need to control my snacking, but that could just be a distraction from the bigger ticket issue. You might be wanting to solve a problem. You might be wanting to improve how you feel and improve your situation and wanting to invest your energy in something that you might feel is a bit more controllable, a bit more doable than the actual problem. This is a bit of a trap. So we don't want to be investing energy in trying to control or be hyper controlling of our snacks or food intake or whatever, when that's not the real issue, the real issue that it's, it's something else that's bothering you. So that's question one. We want to get really clear on that. Am I focusing on controlling my food intake as a distraction from a big ticket issue? Question two, would reducing my grazing require a lot of willpower? This is an interesting one. If you feel like you've got to move mountains to reduce the amount of grazing that you're doing, it could be that you're genuinely physically hungry. So you could be lowballing it in your meals or in other areas and you're just genuinely hungry. Or you could be applying restriction still to other areas of your diet that's making you just kind of like want things. That's a, a relatively easy symptom to spot when it comes to restriction. Just this kind of constant desire to pick at things and, and want more things because nothing that we're allowing ourselves to eat is actually hitting the spot. So we kind of always want more. So that's another question to ask. Would reducing my grazing require a lot of willpower? If the answer is yes, then the grazing might not be the problem. Question three, are there any foods that I'm currently grazing on that I'd miss? So, you know, if you're grazing on something that you're genuinely enjoying, like a lot, then, you know, you don't want to eliminate that food from your life completely. Like that would be a total bummer. Maybe try to include it in a meal or something like that. But if you're just... um grazing on stuff that you're like, yeah, I don't know why I ate that. That's a good indicator that, you know, it's not really a food that you'd miss and might be cool without it. Question four, would I want to apply the no grazing rule to social occasions? If you're approaching a no grazing rule from the perspective of, I'm not going to graze at social occasions, I'm not going to participate, then that could be a bit of a red flag. Question five, does not grazing feel like something I have to psych myself up to carry out? If you find that you have to go, all right, not grazing today, let's do this. 
I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it right. I'm going to, you know, if, if you have to bring that kind of energy to the table, then you might not be at the point where gentle nutrition and these kind of things are a good idea. You might need to spend a little bit more time in the unconditional permission and body acceptance phase just to create that sense of peace and neutrality. I did a really great episode a little while ago with uh, Stephanie Michelle. We were talking about the idea that if you have to like come to particular decisions or show up in certain circumstances absolutely supercharged to try and make the right decision or try and do the right thing or try to get things right, then that's not really a great sign. We want to be cultivating the ability to come at things from a place of neutrality and being very chill. If you find that you have to psych yourself up to make a food choice or to resist a food choice, maybe it could be that a bit more time needs to be spent in the chill, unconditional permission, body acceptance kind of phase. And if anything that I've said so far in this episode is confusing or you're like, I have no fucking clue how I would even approach that, make sure you reach out to me because this is what my one-to-one coaching is. My diary is pretty full at the moment, so availability will depend on your time zone and you know maybe where we could squeeze some sessions in. But know that if you're listening to this episode and just going, yeah, great, I can take this stuff and go and apply it, brilliant, thank you very much, then awesome, um, because that's that's what these episodes are about. But at the same time, the one-to-one coaching and the actual guidance is is about helping you navigate these points and looking at your unique situation. So don't worry at all if one of these things sounds a bit confusing or you're like, how the fuck would I even apply that? My situation is kind of different. I don't know. Then reach out to me. Um, have a chat because one-to-one coaching and that kind of guidance is about the application of all these principles. It's very rare that anybody will just be able to hear a principle like one of these things and just roll with it. Usually there are questions. So don't be afraid to reach out if you have questions. So let me do the list really quickly again. One through five. One, am I focusing on controlling my food intake as a, distra- as a distraction from a bigger ticket issue? Two, would reducing my grazing require a lot of willpower? Three, are there any foods I'm currently grazing on that I'd miss? Four, would I want to apply the no grazing rule to social occasions? And five, does not grazing feel like something I'd have to psych myself up to carry out? If you answered no to these questions, then you're probably in a fairly good place and can approach the the position of like, okay, I can afford to, to be a bit more mindful about grazing without worrying too much about diving down the dieting rabbit hole. So something that might help you move forward with how you might be looking at grazing and snacking and a very memorable way to just think about it is to treat snacking like dating. Like when you're looking to date someone, you wouldn't just see like a random person and go, eh, I mean, they're available. It's okay. They're they're like, they're right there. It's all right. It's fine. I might as well. You know, (laughs) you want to be a bit more sold on the decision. 
So with snacking, maybe think of it a little bit the same way. You don't want to just see a random food and just be like, eh, yeah, it's there. I might as well pick at it. Treat it like dating. Eat stuff that you genuinely feel drawn to, not stuff that's just close by. <laughs> but again, all of this comes from the perspective of having done a lot of that initial work. I can't stress enough how the most important part of breaking cycles of binge eating, reducing stress surrounding food, and actually discovering what you might be capable of once you've exited diet culture, that is so much a process and a journey that's built on unconditional permission surrounding food and body neutrality, body acceptance. Trying to jump into gentle nutrition or optimal nutritional badassery without having been through or done a significant amount of work in the unconditional permission and body neutrality space, that can, that can get really dicey really quickly. Because like I said, if our values are still wrapped around uh, body image in a way where the balance is tipped in an unconstructive way, then we're just going to drive ourselves back into the same old situations. So remember, if you have any questions about what we spoke about today, drop me a line. My name's Marcus Kane. This was Strong Not Starving, and I'll be back next week.